0: Woo! the man of tomorrow is here for, uh, something that we've been doing throughout 2020. And that is, uh, really what's technically another gaming grid special, uh, even though it falls under the Zomia one underground title. Uh, and this is one, another one where this was by request. Um, and I do take requests. I can't get to all of them, or at least not right away. Uh, but I do keep, I I actually have a very long list of requested episodes uh, by Sovereign Tech listeners, but this happens to be a fairly recent one. And it's one that is going to fit in with some uh, near future releases. So I figured what the hell, let's bump it up in order uh, and get it out. And the request was by a great listener who clearly understood uh, (laughs) because they said so, um, that they know, I think that, Smartphones are horrible for gaming, and this is mostly true, Um, though. There have been games, and I think I've done an Android games top eight in the past, but we'll update it for 2020. Um, There are some games that actually it works pretty well for, and it's also handy, which I think for a lot of people is why mobile gaming is such a big deal. Uh, I don't mean mobile gaming like the 3DS or Nintendo Switch, but you know, mobile gaming in, in the smartphone sense, uh, is because it's something that is there. Uh, but really I have to admit that there now, while a lot of the games, so we are doing an Android, uh, sovereign top eight, uh, video games. Now, while there are some games on this list, uh, that impressively actually a couple of them I can think of are at their absolute best on smartphone. Um, they are some, many of them are also available on other platforms. If they weren't originally years ago, when they came out, they are now. So in fact, I think for only a couple of these games, are they only available uh, on smartphones? Now this is particular to Android. Uh, The person did ask if I could do an iOS top eight games, there would actually be some differences, meaning that there are some games still available for iOS that are not available um, on Android. Uh, I mean, I don't think this surprises anybody, but I don't know that there's enough difference to where I would be willing to do in a separate iOS, uh, you know, top eight, because again, most of these are available. I mean, what's available on Android is also available on, on iOS. So I don't, you know, this could really fit for both if I wanted to be saucy, but I mean, as far as, you know, I'll say this in the onset. Probably the two largest omissions that aren't on Android, but are on iOS, uh, that are fair at the very least, fair experiences. But you have the classic uh, BioWare RPG, that being uh, Jade Empire. And it's actually a pretty good experience on iOS. Um, this is, I mean, Jade Empire. And if you want to be particular special edition, uh, Jade empire special edition is one of my favorite games of all time. Um, it plays much like star Wars Knights of the old Republic, which by the way is not in this top eight, but that's another one where it does a pretty good job on mobile. If you've never played it, it's not a bad way to get that experience in same with Jade empire though, admittedly for both of them, you're going to do much better Uh, by playing them on, you know, on a PC, uh, and having those, you know, more, I'll say intuitive, uh, and precise controls, but the control schemes for both Jade Empire and actually Knights of the Old Republic both play very well. Now Knights of the Old Republic is on Android and iOS. Jade Empire is the one that's unique, uh, to iOS, but I think very worthwhile. Um, another one that I think is still only on iOS is the latest galaxy of fire Manticore. However with that you you get a much much better experience with really really tight controls on the Nintendo Switch. Um just like with I mean a game that could have been on the top 8 list here uh for Android is Galaxy of Fire 2. Galaxy of Fire 2 HD is available on Steam. And when you get to break out, you know, an Xbox controller to play that instead of having to rely on touch controls, you're in for a much better time. And I mean, certainly that's true across the board, which is where I will mention in any of these, you know, if they're, if they are available on other platforms and if that's, if there's a better experience, a game will not have made this top eight. If the controls are so fucked that, you know, there's just, there's no way that you could play it with any real efficacy on, you know, on mobile. I'm not going to include them here. Because if that were so, I mean, there's a wholly different, you know, I mean, this list would actually look very, very different. There'd be a lot of Sonic games, uh, you know, that we would mention here. Um, there would be, I mean, there'd, there'd be plenty. Uh, also, interestingly, Super Mario Runt, like some of the, some of Nintendo's games like Dragalia Lost, uh, Animal Crossing, and even the Fire Emblem game. I mean, they're, they're solid experiences and they have solid followings. Um, and aside from Dragalia lost, which it's interesting that that is a, you know, mobile, uh, mobile first and new, uh, IP for Nintendo. Um, you know, none of them are compelling enough and certainly there are far better experiences to be had in those respective franchises minus Dragalia lost, uh, on other platforms, so those don't really fit the bill here, even though Super Mario Run was, a, you know, a solid game um, like Dr. Mario World. And, of course, Mario Kart. Actually, I would argue that Mario Kart Tour, which is the, the mobile version of it, is horrible. It's 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 not even a good game. It's a horrible game. And Nintendo's in real trouble for that, uh, I think. Like, I think it's hurting them overall, but they seem to be steering the ship away from uh, a lot of mobile properties anyway, because I think they're seeing just how well animal crossing does on its own, on their own hardware, like on the switch that it doesn't need to be uh, on, on mobile because people will buy the Switch. I mean, you know, the latest and new horizons, the latest animal crossing on switch uh, argue, I mean, was the best-selling game of 2020. I want to say up until uh super Mario 3d all-stars dropped later this year. Uh, but point being is that Nintendo just does not need to be in the mobile space. Um, I do not argue for playing any of their games on mobile. And one of the more interesting things that they even had on mobile for Android and iOS was Mitomo, which they ended up dropping. And I was really, really disappointed in that. I spent a lot of fucking time <laughs> with Mitomo. I loved it. Uh, and, and that's, that's disappointing as well. And it's something to bring, you know, really to fore here is that, Another aspect of these games, this is more true for iOS, but, uh, these are games that are available in the play store. They may not be available outside of that. I mean, Android used to have a very interesting, uh, gaming alternative ecosystem in that they had, you had humble bundle, which I don't even know if humble bundle is still offering independent installs, um, of Android games. I have, I probably have literally a thousand I mean, it's gotta be up, up there. It's, it's insane. Cause you used to buy those humble bundles years ago, you know, especially around like 2014, 2015, and you'd get 10, 20 Android games with that a pop, you know, and you'd get those almost every week or every other week. It was just, it was nuts. Um, You know, what was, what was really possible with that? But I don't know if humble bundles even still pushing the updates for a lot of these games, because some of the games, especially on this top eight list have been around for almost a decade and they still get updates and they still get, and that is, in my opinion, that's something pretty amazing. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about that when we get into some of these games, the longevity that these games have had. And part of, I think part of that longevity comes from the fact that smartphones, you know, and people's, basically their purchases and app stores, um, are something that they count on and rely on because the smartphone has become, you know, for, for the average person in modernity, uh, an essential way to engage the world, you know, digital or offline, you know, digital or meat space. So that's pretty key, key here, but I mean, also Android used to have, I mean, you had Amazon underground where you had like a limited games you could play and Amazon was footing the bill for, um, you know, for in-app purchases and everything. I mean, there used to be a lot of really interesting third-party things going on, uh, or, or should I say third-party app stores, uh, going on for Android. Um, also, you know, this list is not something that you would do necessarily well with, uh, say, you know, a dark Android setup where you did not have the Google play store root kit. I mean, just the Google play store, uh, sorry, in, (laughs) in the installed on your device. Um, this is for if you have the Google play store, uh, And in fact, I mean, there, there's an interesting argument to be made for, uh, the Google play games app, which I feel like Google is kind of detaching from to some degree, but there are some great games available right in that. Um, I think like checkers or even the version of snakes and again, you don't have to install any other games. You just install the Google play games app. Um, which allows you to set up, you know, you get to some degree, you get achievements and other things. It doesn't really, it's not as exciting a prospect to say it is, you know, on a modern console or even on steam. Um, But you know, that that's, that's kind of a thing that's there. Uh, Also, of course you have the play pass now in the Google play store, which if you pay for that, it's a subscription service, but it lets you get most of the games available on Android completely for free. Um, I don't think that that's necessarily worthwhile, and I generally despise subscription services. But you know that is something that is there. Uh, I mean, other other aspects of what's what can be done. You know, on mobile. I mean, you have uh, was it Steam Link, right? Where you can play uh, games and basically over Wi-Fi, you can play games that are on your PC right on your smartphone. Um, so in some ways you know if you have a powerful enough pc and i really cannot fathom why you would want to play a lot of these games on a smartphone especially when i mean one of the main issues this isn't so this is where ios wins out ios because of the standardization of you know of iPhones and you know the ios family making uh controllers you know gaming controllers that work very well and connect easily and instantly with iOS devices is a real win on iOS with Android. It's to this day, it's a fucking pain to set up, uh, you know, controls outside of the touchscreen. So that's a problem. Uh, I mean, but where, you know, I suppose the flip side to that, another advantage within with, with Android, and this gets to another aspect that is that's coming down the pike. um, But there are basically no emulators on iOS. Uh, Just like there are no torrent apps among other things. iOS is, you know, if you are into owning your shit, iOS is ultimately a nightmare. If you are into, you know, having real control um, over what, over your, you know, your purchase power um, or having real longevity, you know, by way of being able to play with emulators. I mean, because something that's a lot of fun, fuck Pokemon go, but something that's a lot of fun is, you know, you throw an emulator. Uh, like a Game Boy emulator on your, uh, you know, on your Android phone and, you know, you could play Pokemon yellow and the controls are fine. You know, the touchscreen controls even are fine for a lot of those kinds of games. Um, There there are all kinds of games that don't require absolute precision controls and that you can take a little bit of time with, and they become, you know, an excellent experience with emulators um, on your smartphone. I mean, there are even, some of the best emulators in the world for PlayStation and PSP are available on Android. Again, part of the real trick is either you play games where touch screen, touch screen controls are acceptable or uh, you know, you you go through the process and the, the absolute pain in the ass of setting up um, you know, an external controller to work with it. So, but Android can be ultimately a really, really powerful gaming platform and it's going to become more so As we are looking into the future, not a future that I like, but it's coming, um, where, you know, say like X cloud, where you can play, uh, you know, Microsoft, uh, games or xbox based games, um, you know, with whatever screen happens to be in front of you, you know, on your smartphone. And there are other cloud uh, gaming services that are coming, uh, that will really allow for that. I do not support what is coming down, uh, the pike as far as cloud gaming goes be it Stadia, be it even what switch is doing now, what Nintendo's doing now, where they are releasing cloud versions of games and you're hashing out 40 to $60 uh, to basically pay for a license to get access to the game. I, I am not okay with this. All right. I mean, it's bad enough. The app store in and of itself is a bit of a problem because as we've seen now, there are some Sega games that actually could have made this top eight list. They don't make this list. Because Sega has removed them from the Google play store. They were not available in the humble bundle, uh, you know, some quasi alternative app store for games. Um, and so once they were removed, they're gone. Like there was an afterburner game. There was jet, uh, jet set radio. There, there were a bunch of great, great games that actually did. Okay. Controlling them on a touchscreen, um, that are gone now you know, Sega has completely removed them and they, you know, put in their Sega classics in return and then you're forced ads and it just fucking sucks. Um, but so all of this is to suggest, I'm laying out all the possibilities with the Android. You're clearly hearing the problems, the promise, uh, the advantages. Okay. The top eight games here though, I feel like are ones that really, you know, their main metric are ones that very much stand the test of time. Uh, there may be some here that have in-app purchases, but they are not egregious. Also, they are games that have solid endings. I ultimately despise also, I've despised a lot that I've talked about here, but I ultimately despise games that are like endless runners, that games that are literally endless, uh, or that are insane with their in-app purchases and so on. I I mean, that, that to me, that's not gaming because video games, you know, uh, I mean, video games are art in and of themselves. And when something becomes more money grubbing, I think you lose a lot of the art, but also video games have always been one of their greatest powers have been the value that they provide the, the value. And I don't know what we would call this mathematical equation, (laughs) but the value to fantasy proposition that video games have always given has been, is really, in my opinion, what made it endure what made it get to you know the, the the stage that it is where you know video game the gaming industry makes more money than any other entertainment industry uh, in fact i would imagine in the next few years that'll be more money than all of all other entertainment industries combined you know be it uh, music movies tv you know uh, uh, books whatever um it is in many ways the ultimate form of artistic expression, but art must bring with it some kind of values. Okay. And gaming has done that again for a very, very long time. And it has done it in ways that no other medium can really touch except for maybe the novel, except for me, you know, or books short stories, whatever. Uh, th- those are the only two that, that really come close to, to, to matching that. I've said many times that I think, you know, if, if you look at the philosopher Nietzsche, Nietzsche was obsessed with music. He thought that it was the ultimate expression of you know, the human condition and of art. I think if Nietzsche were alive today, he would be a Nintendo fanboy at a level unheard of. Um, he I mean he would just be in awe of what video games allowed for talk about um, <laughs> you know getting past God and man games very much allow for that. But now I'm waxing all philosophical and really this is just an Android gaming special. So what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> we need to get to the games. Um but bottom line being Android can be a very powerful gaming experience. Um looking towards the future, before we get into our top 8, I think that Google TV where now you have glorified Chromecasts that have onboard storage and work as independent Android devices again. And I say again, because Android TV was supposed to be a thing years ago that was supposed to deliver on all this. But I think that, I mean, granted Google has stadia, but if Google has stadia as well as what's available in the Android app store, particularly some in this top eight, um, they position themselves very well uh, and to do very well in, in gaming. Um, gaming, you know, I've said this many times on Sovereign Tech, it's gotten to the point. It is such a large, you can't, you can't even call it, you can't call it a subculture anymore. It is, you can barely call it a culture because it's just so pervasive in society today. You know, like everybody fucking plays a video game. It, it, it. I don't think that's unfair to say. I really think every, I mean, I've seen grandmas and grandpas these days that, that rampantly, I don't know, whatever they're playing, candy crush or, or, or something, you know, maybe a little less uh, uh, atrocious, but everybody games today. And so it's to the point now that gaming is no longer the subculture, but there are subcultures within gaming. Uh, I think that cloud gaming is one subculture retro gaming obviously is one subculture, Uh, and entire economies are building around these different aspects of gaming. I firmly sit while I identify strongly as a gamer. Um, I strongly sit in the retro gaming community. Uh, you know, I am all about that. And a big part of the retro gaming community, in my opinion, is value and built to last. Like those are two, and I would argue they're kind of the same thing, but those are two very key aspects, in my opinion, of retro gaming. Um, If you, if you have a game that is retro styled, but still relies as like some kind of endless runner or relies on ridiculous IAP and tons of DLC and whatever, uh, I don't really think that's a retro game. Sure. It may look eight bit, but uh, you know, that that's 21st century through and through and fuck it. So, you know, that's a key thing to understand here is that there are a lot of different it's not even a matter of what plays well, what has tight controls, what has great graphics or what has, uh, you know, graphics that provide the fidelity to what is being presented and all that. It's not even necessarily about all of that anymore with gaming. Now there are entire philosophies behind gaming, which I think are, I think is really important to highlight. And probably in the next 20 years, people will talk about a lot more. There will be entire, you know, psychological studies, um, on the matter. I am sure, but until that day, I think, why don't we go ahead and let's just start talking video games, baby. (laughs) So these, this is the sovereign top eight games on Android. Um, It's a shame. uh, Well, I said, I'm going to get into the games. And then here I start getting into another subject. I will say quickly, it's a shame that basically the entire tablet space has really died Um, in, in Android with, with the Android platform in general. Now what's taken its place in a very real way are Chromebooks and Chromebooks can make some of this a little bit easier where Chromebooks can recognize, obviously a USB controller or a Bluetooth controller very easily, but just because Chrome OS can do that does not mean that it translates to being usable, um, you know, in Android games that you can install from the, uh, you know, from the Google play store onto a Chrome OS device that what is nice though. And, and I, cause I want to lay this out. What is nice by playing some of this on Chrome OS is that you usually can use the keyboard and sometimes that can allow for a certain degree of greater precision. Um, but something to keep in mind is that not everything that's in the Google play store on your smartphone is available on the Google play store on your Chromebook. So that's not always possible. Um, and and sometimes the keyboard controls don't actually work that well either uh so you know if you are interested in well i have a chromebook so i'd like to play some of these games you might want to hope not that i like touch screens at all especially on laptops um but you might hope that you have a touchscreen uh, on your, you know, on your Chrome OS device, uh, because that way you're more guaranteed to be able to, you know, play the game. If again, if it's available, even on your Chromebook, uh, it's another thing that stands tall with Chromebooks, you know, they have access to all, uh, of these or not all, but many of the games that have been developed or even ported. And some of those ports are really solid, uh, to Android. Uh, and, you know, and you can rock them right there. For example, the aforementioned Knights of the Old Republic, you can do that with uh, another game, actually. And I want to mention it because it's not on this list, but it is very, very well done uh, for for mobile. And that is Final Fantasy nine. Um, now, there are other Final Fantasy games. There are also actually the entire or most of the Dragon Quest series. Uh, or, what used to be called Dragon Warrior in the United States. Um, those are, avail- you know, a lot of that's available on Android as well. Most of those play perfectly well and are a great experience, especially the Dragon Quest games. Um, There are some like, like Chrono Trigger is available on Android. That is not a a good experience. So it's not always true that it's a great experience, but a lot of them really are. Any of the Dragon Quest games could have made the Sovereign Top 8 easily. Final Fantasy IX could have made it easily, but... These are games also where I think their best experiences, frankly, are elsewhere. Like for most of the Dragon Quest series, its best experience is on the DS or 3DS or some of which have been recently, you know, re-released on the Switch. Um, but let's get it. Let's do it. Let, let's let all of that said. So I think we have a very comprehensive understanding of what's possible. What's not what the future perhaps may be for gaming on Android. So let's talk about what can you play right now in 2020. That is a solid experience. And one that probably isn't going to get taken away from you anytime soon by getting delisted, uh, in the Google play store. So I'm going to start this off. As I often say, if you're on the top eight, you're already basically a number one right? <laughs> ultimately. Uh, but every once in a while, I do say, okay, what is the best, you know, what is actually the number one, you know, in a list of top eight, even though all of them could really be number one because they're already in the top eight. And I'm actually gonna start off with number one. Um, this is a game, this is a game of games. <laughs> this is, this is a game that is you you really can play just about anywhere. Um, has been available on any platform in any way remotely, remotely related to games, electronic or otherwise uh, out there. I mean, it, it's, it's one, it it's just the game that will not die and has seen so many different iterations. And frankly, in, when it comes to its video game iterations has seen a lot of different releases with a lot of different feature sets. Um, it has really, I think th- there, while there are, uh, uh, changes or updates or upgrades that I think that could be made to this version. This is easily the best version available anywhere. Uh, and in its history, in my opinion, and the game we're talking about, again, this is the, you know, I, I think you could kind of like how they, they would say that the Bible is the book of books. This is the game of games in my opinion. Um, and that is risk. Risk is just, it's that game. I mean, while there are competitors to some degree in its space, like stay, I don't know, Stratego and some others risk is just, it is that board game that just won't fucking go away. And the, um, just the amazing, uh, different versions that have existed of this game for so long. Like there's the, what is it? The 2249 AD version. Um, there, there have been so many different ones over the years. Uh, and there have even just with the traditional without, you know, releasing an, an entirely new edition of the board game, um, there, you know, there have been just w- with, with the standard risk board with, you know, the, the world map before you. And I mean, folks, if you don't know what risk is, <laughs> everybody knows what risk is. It's the game of world domination. Right. And of course that's the game that, you know, most people play in this like, well, ooh, wait, uh, <laughs> or at least the ones that wear suits. No. Oh, no, whoa. whoa. I got to slow down. This is just an Android gaming special for fuck's sake. Okay. Um, even with just, you know, the world map board, the standard risk board, there have been so many different, uh, uh, like instead it'll be like capital risk where instead of world domination, it's take over the countries that contain the capitals of of various countries or continents. Um, it's really, I mean, this is such an adaptable game. It's, it's why I call it the game of games. I mean, if we were to take a broad, you know, view, abstract view of games in general, video board, whatever risk would, if it's not number one, it'd be in the top three. And the only things that I think that could really top, it would be like dungeons and dragons and maybe chess, you know, like that. That's, that's the kind of company that's the tall cotton that this game that risk stands in its translation into a video game has always been fairly brilliant. And fairly ahead of the curve, uh, in, in my opinion, and has resolved in general, we'll talk about the specific version for Android here in a minute, but has resolved, uh, one of the main issues with risk in general, and that is finding other people to play. Not that there aren't other people who aren't interested in playing risk or don't know how, or wouldn't it's, are they willing to put in the overnighter (laughs) that it takes to, to actually finish a game of risk, right? Are you willing to put in the, at least six hours that it takes to play a game of risk? Um, and so having video game version, you know, electronic versions of the game where you have AI players has always been an advantage, um, because then, you know, the biggest, the hardest part about playing risk, which is getting other people to play, uh, is really resolved. and. Again, this, this game's available on every fucking platform out there. There's a version for switch, which is kind of interesting. Not the same as this one though, but let's talk about this one. So this one's made by Hasbro and who owns the rights to risk uh, and SMG. And what's really brilliant about it. We'll we'll talk a little bit. we'll, We'll, you know, we'll get in depth a bit on what's what's on offer here. But the best feature about it and why I think two things that I think make it the best one is, is that it allows you to create a risk profile as in a, you know, an account with just for, for just risk. And that's all it is. It's an account for risk. It's great. And I mean, it makes sense because so many people around the world take this game so seriously with that risk account, wherever you install the SMG version of risk, it carries all of your in-app purchases with you. So there's value there because you can buy a ton of different map packs and they keep releasing new map packs. Um, and some of these are really, really wild. We'll talk about them in a second. Um, but all of, you know, that's possible. So you get the value there. So, and you can even download this on steam and you can play it on a PC, uh, and on PC even, It lets you, uh, stream or not, not stream play. I mean, yes, you can stream play, but it allows you to play with someone else with all of your maps, you know, all your in-app purchases available and everything. And the other, all the other person has to do is install the game for free on steam. And away you go. Now, if the game is for free, you can buy the kind of the quasi pro version of it or the premium version of it, which usually costs like $13. In my opinion, it's well worth it. It's a bit of a scheme that. Like normally when you just get the free version, you have to collect so many coins, which requires you to win uh, so many games to be able to keep playing. And if you don't have enough coins, you can't keep playing. But if you buy the premium version, you can just play infinitely. Uh, I don't really like that scheme, but often enough, they have sales in their own little store in, in the app. They have sales to where you can buy the premium version for like $4, And, and actually for every, all the content available in the game, there are often sales where you can buy like new map packs for a buck or two. Um, so in my opinion, the value is absolutely there. Like, yes, there's IAP. Yes, there's an unlock and everything, but it's not, it's not really egregious. Um, the only problem is, is that, so now with my risk profile, when I play the game on steam, it automatically gives me the premium version. But when I played it on iOS, it wanted me to buy the premium version again, even though I was logged in with the same account, it never wanted me to buy the map packs again, but it did want me to buy the premium version again. So that's something to look out for. But again, if you're only going to play this on Android and steam, I mean, most people aren't playing things across all those different platforms, but if you're only going to play them across a couple, uh, you're good to go, make that risk profile. And, and I mean, all, all the DLC or all the, you know, in-app purchases you get will just, you know, go along with you as will your record and everything. And I mean, it's, it's really, really slick now. So that's one great feature of this. The other great feature of it is that you can speed up and, and there have been PC versions that have allowed for this, but basically you can, you can just hit a button, the little arrow button at the bottom of the screen, and it will instantly run through whatever all the AI players want to do. And it will get to the next human player right away. So it solves the other problem, right? Not only of finding other people to play, but you can actually knock out a game of risk. I mean, depending how good you are, you can knock out a game of risk inside of like 20 minutes to an hour games that would normally take, if you were just playing other humans, or if you didn't have the speed through process, games that would normally take two to six hours or longer to play. So that makes it alone, the best version of risk in my opinion, ever made, uh, as far as like more or less the stock game. I mean, we could get into the different versions of the board game and that, that that, that's a different conversation entirely, but as far as like the best way to play it, this is it. Um, and, it does, you know, the touch controls because it's basically a board game and it's turn-based. It's not something where you need the quickness. It's not something where you need really tight controls to handle it. Obviously that's not a part of the equation at all. So the touchscreen works great. Um, you know, it's nice when you do it on a PC and you use the mouse as well, but the touchscreen does just fine. So, uh, the advantages also are that, you know, another part that takes a long time with risk is like laying out all the pieces, right. And, and, you know, if you're playing it in Meat space with people, with this, it all instantly lays it down, but you have so many different options of things that you can put in. Like you can set up blizzards, which basically keep uh, like certain, it'll block certain countries from being accessed. And that changes the nature of basically every map that you play. It, it more or less allows you to randomize every map that's available, but there are some odd 50, I want to say there's like 50, 50 plus maps, different maps available. There's the Arctic, there's Pangea, there's, uh, there's even, there's some really weird ones, like with the zombie map pack that put walls between different rooms of like, say a mall that's getting invaded and everything. Uh, it's, I mean, it's really, really cool. You you could play this for fucking ever and, you know, they can keep making money by devising new map packs that, you know, require all new strategy and everything. I mean, I, in my opinion, you know, get me on a standard risk map. I can't lose. Like I I just, I have the proven strategy. I know how to it, like it's, it's so easy. And so having all the other map packs, I mean, just turns it into, uh, you know, a much livelier game, a whole new game. And there've been some map, like the hardest map pack I've played so far is probably Turkey. I mean, it, it is a pain in the butt to, to, to really win at that, because there's so many countries that are border countries. You have to build up so many people to, or, you know, so many armies uh, to be able to withstand and hold, you know, any attackers and and hold a country uh, or hold a continent. But it's just so brilliant. Um, Again, a lot of, and you can do online play obviously with other humans. You don't have to just rely on the AI, I mean, I, I play on the expert level, which is the highest. I wish they had one, one higher, uh, because the ex even the expert AI doesn't seem to operate under the idea of, okay, if anybody like takes a continent, we we've got to break it up. You know, we, we, we can't let them hold the continent. They'll, they'll, they'll just let they could, they could have 20 guys, you know, 20 armies next to a conquered continent that has a border with only one army on it and they won't take that out. And it's, I mean, that's just the simplest thing to do, but the AI certainly can present a challenge. Um, I mean, I do still lose, you know, particularly on other maps. Again, I don't think I could ever really lose on a standard risk world map. Um, but you know, any of the other 50 some odd maps, uh, yeah, there's times where I still lose. I mean, so that's pretty good for an AI frankly, uh, because I mean, it's just if there's any game that I'm fucking good at, (laughs) it's, it's risk. Uh, so lots of fun. It also allows you, I mean, you can do uh, you know, you can do two player or multi, not just two player. I guess you could do six player and it does, it does top out at six, which that's pretty standard for risk. Uh, but where you could just pass around your device. And so you could all play on one device. Um, you could do local play as well. If you have multiple devices, I mean, it just there's infinite replay value, infinite value in general, and just possibilities with this. It is easily the best game on Android. Uh, and again, it is also available on PC. What's sad is, is that I also have risk on switch, but it's not the same one. I mean, a lot of mobile games have been ported to switch and have been done very well. As you'll see, as we go down the rest of this list, um, the version on switch is run by Ubisoft and it's very pretty. It's very interesting. Has a really futuristic design to it. It's not like 2249, but it has an interesting futuristic design to it, but I really wish it was just this version. I don't know why they went with the Ubisoft version. And the biggest problem with the Ubisoft version on switch is that it does not let you speed up, um, you know, and automate like a lot of the other players. It's a complete fail. Uh, I mean, it makes it, it doesn't make it unplayable. It still looks nice and it would be fine if you're just playing with other humans, which, you know, switch can do like, you know, just four joy cons alone. I mean, Uh, so the possibilities are nice there, but it's really not that great experience. If you plan on taking on, you know, the computer players more so than human ones, um, and the multiplayer doesn't, you know, like, I I don't even know if it has necessarily, or I think it does have some online multiplayer, but it's nowhere near the community that exists obviously around the smartphone, you know, smartphone version, because everybody has almost everybody has a smartphone. Um, so that risk takes my number one spot. I could keep talking about this game, frankly, the whole show, Uh, (laughs) but there's, there's just so much to do there. There are, you know, the, uh, features that they could add in is if they would put in like risk 2249, I mean, they allow you to do capital risk. They allow you to do some, like you only have to conquer two thirds of the world. They, they allow for some different gameplay styles But if they brought in like the really different, the experimental gameplay styles that a lot of uh, franchise versions of Risk, like Star Trek Risk or some of the other ones like that, where they they've really brought in you know very very different uh, styles of gameplay, um, that would I mean that would put this game right over the top. So. This isn't just like one of the best, this isn't just the best Android game ever. This is one of the best video games ever, period, particularly this SMG version of risk, uh, just because of all the possibilities that it gives you. I mean, you could just play this for fucking ever. And the fact that, you know, for the first time, what's so addictive about it in a very real way is that you can play a game of risk, a complete game of risk of world domination again, inside of probably, you know, 10, 20 minutes, depending on how good you are. And I think that that's fucking dynamite. Uh, so there's our number one spot. Um, let's move on to another game before I just keep talking about risk this whole time. I mean, I got to tell you folks, you know, if you were interested, if you're in the telegram group for sovereign tech and you were interested in rock and taking on the golden stallion in a game of risk, we might be able to make that happen. Cause I think you can do private uh, like private maps, uh, you know, in, in private uh, games against each other. So I I'd love to do that. Um, but moving on number two, is another one of these games and this isn't a point that I brought up with risk but I want to bring it up here for this one. Uh number 2 is Plague Inc, a game that in 2020 has become infinitely more popular. Um it had been for a very long time accused of essentially uh copying or cloning uh the very popular I think what was initially a flash game that being Pandemic. Uh, which that was by Dark Realm Studios, and Dark Realm Studios went after uh, the developers of Plague Inc., which is Endemic Creations. And now I think that Dark Realm Studios has said, "Okay, no, you know, Plague Inc. isn't a clone, whatever." Uh, but Plague Inc. definitely has become far more popular than Pandemic uh, ever was. Not to say that Pandemic isn't still popular; it is. Uh, but but Plague Inc. I mean, Endemic Creations basically only made this one game at the time they have released another. We'll talk about it. They basically only created this one game, but you know, it's one of those cases kind of like League of legends and some others where, okay, yeah, but if you make one great game, you don't need to make another, <laughs> you know, like you don't have to be that, that kind of, uh, uh, you know, game studio to where you're cranking out, you know, five, six, 10 games a year. Um, endemic creations does this and the gameplay is just so, oddly and sadistically, frankly, exciting. Um, you, you know, they don't need to do anything else and they can just kind of like with risk. They can just keep releasing expansion packs, you know, and in-app purchases and so on over the years. Um, that really, again, they don't have to make another game. They can just keep altering this tremendous formula. And in some ways it's very similar to risk where it is just a world map and you are trying to create the most deadly possible virus you can that will wipe out humanity. Sounds like a great time, doesn't it? Well, it is, (laughs) but, uh, but they keep coming out with new packs for this, this game initially, I want to say came out in 2012, I think is when plague Inc originally came out and we are in 2020 and they are still coming out with new game modes. In fact, they're going to be coming out with, um, a version that's kind of a reversal on the theme where you are trying to stop COVID-19. Um, like that, that's obviously, I mean, and understand they were asked to do this by the gaming or, you know, the plaguing gaming community. Uh, if they were trying to do a cash in on COVID 19, I'd be pretty pissed off, but no, this is something that people ask for. And I'm intrigued to see it. Like, I, I think it's a brilliant idea, uh, you know, to, to like, it'll be a very interesting game to see how do they make it in reverse from what plaguing actually is. Uh, but this game truly did by the numbers skyrocket in downloads in 2020, because I think people wanted to, I mean, because it's a game that, you know, there's a lot of really, really actual deep research and science involved in the game. If you pay attention to everything that's going on, uh, like even like read the little ticker going across, that's telling you all the latest news, uh, around the world. And, and there's, there's some interesting things that get laid out in that, uh, but there have been so many great campaigns. There's been the zombie plague that you could take, that you could use. There's the Nurax worm, which was really cool. In fact, I have a little stuffed Nurax worm uh, here in the BDSM Studio 3. Uh, I, Cause I, I just, I love this game. Now it's a game that, had become so popular. It did transcend mobile. Uh, it's now you can get it. I think on most consoles, I know you can get it on switch You can get it on PC. It's called plague Inc. evolved. Now it's not as nice a deal as with risk where all of your DLC from, uh, from the mobile version of, of plague ink transfers over to plague Inc. evolved, but you know, you can do this on, on desktop as well. And it's, it's a lot of fun to have playing in the background on desktop. Uh, or on a, you know, on a console, it can't run in the background, but you know, it, it works pretty well on switch uh, too, but it's very much, I think it's the perfect mobile game, you know, because it takes great advantage, very simplistic gameplay where you're like, you're popping the bubbles, the research bubbles, trying to stop you uh, works great on a touchscreen. Um, there's, you know, there's no problem there. Um, and it's just, it, it's a very, you'd think it wouldn't be, it sounds like such a simple premise, but it, it's a very intellectual game you really have to think about what is the fastest, most efficient way for a virus to spread and for it to, when it does spread. And in fact, how, how can it kill a human? The fastest, um, (laughs) and as twisted as all that sounds, it's tremendous fun. (laughs) That's, that's all I can say about it. Um, and it's a game that again has not stopped. It'll basically have been in active development for 10 years, you know, come next year. That's remarkable. Uh, that, I mean, and endemic creations is still making plenty of money off of this thing. Uh, I love that, you know, it, despite the very uh, uh, throwaway and fly by night nature of the mobile space in general, some of these games, which again, people expect to play them across their smartphone, you know, when they get a new smartphone every couple of years or some people are every six months or whatever. Uh, You know, people expect that continuous app experience across their devices. And so that kind of pushes game developers to keep their games actively developed. Also, they have to keep, you know, writing for them because you get new versions of Android every year and you got to make sure that it's compatible and so on. So it's created a very interesting, long lasting uh, development cycle that I applaud now, not every game does this and there's plenty of games that have just died and fallen by the wayside, but the great games where companies like Endemic or, you know, where, where, game studios have, you know, really do great bank on them. Um, it's working out very well for the gamer in the end and plague Inc. is one of the top examples of that. Uh, just a brilliant, brilliant game now. And I guess we'll just make this our, our third on the list, even though I, I had it in a bit of a different ordering. Um, and that is endemic creations, other game that they made, which is rebel Inc. Uh, and it is kind of a side story to play ink in a way, even though Ink doesn't really have a traditional story, but rebel Inc. is about, is kind of an, an RTS kind of in a real-time strategy where you are dealing with a post-war and you're managing a post-war economy and dealing with, you know, insurgents and blah, 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 and all this um, I'm not going to spend a ton of time describing it because it's really something like there's so much going on in the game. It's really something you have to play to see, but it is probably the best real-time strategy on mobile that you can play. And most of the time, in my opinion, real-time strategy does not work very well, um, on, on mobile, but in this case it does. Um, so You know, it's a game that came with a lot of warnings because like Plague Inc, it deals with very real instead of, of course, medical, in this case, political scenarios um, that, you know, the, the developer wanted to be sensitive to, but they ended up making a great game out of it all. And I think it actually really makes you think about the political realities in the real world when you play this game. So I have to give it a lot of credit for that. Um, And because I can barely think of, I mean, the only game that kind of comes close to in any way dealing with very real political situations aside from, you know, something made by like paradox interactive, like Europa universalis or crusader Kings uh, maybe world in conflict. Was And that's a PC game. That was the only game that came even close to trying to deal with, you know, the very real harsh realities and the gray areas that exist within, you know, the political sphere for conventional people. Uh, Rebel Inc. does a tremendous job of that. And I'm not saying it's, you know, a good thing, but in the gaming sense, it makes for an incredibly engaging game and a, and a fairly unique experience. I don't think Rebel Inc. has caught on as much as Plague Inc. has and because it is more complex, certainly, even though plague Inc. is still a complex game, it's not something that is, that has moved on to other platforms, right? Like it hasn't moved on to PC. As far as I know, it has not moved on to, uh, consoles like the switch or whatever, which, you know, keep in mind, the switch has a touchscreen built into it. It is tailor-made for porting any mobile game to it. Uh, that's why a lot of them are on there, but rebel, uh, rebel Inc. is absolutely worthwhile, especially if you enjoy plague ink. It's very different but it's, it's certainly a, one of the best experiences on mobile, as far as gaming goes. Um, let's go on to our next one. We'll go with number four here, uh, get a little less serious, uh, maybe, but chess. And I'll give you the developer because that matters as far as there's a million versions of chess available on Android and available you on know, mobile in general. Uh, but this is the one by AI factory limited. Um, you can get, you can purchase a full version of it, Um, there are some other pretty good ones out there like chaos combat chess used to be pretty good. Uh, but I think the, it's basically been abandoned, um, by, by the developers. Um, there's the one by chess Prince, which is also really good. There's also the one by alien force. I think that's called real chess. Um, I've enjoyed chess by AI factory limited for, I mean, it was the one of actually, I think it was the first game I installed. On my very first Android smartphone, which was the, was the, the Optimus V or Optimus five by LG might remember that phone. It was kind of an old workhorse. Uh, and I mean, it, it's chess, you know, it allows for some multiplayer. You can log on to the web version of it to play it there as well. Um, the AI is pretty tough. It does a good job of teaching you the game if you're new to it, but it is just chess. It's not a hard thing to, to deliver on, but it's another one where, you know, there's a lot of customized rules like timers and all this stuff. And the AI is, it's probably the best AI I've seen. Very simple presentation, but I like that. It's chess. It doesn't have to have a wild presentation. You know, that can be fun when you're dealing with risk and some other things, but with chess, you know what you're getting into. Okay. So while I wouldn't mind, I guess some graphical updates and certainly some of the other versions, you know, delve into that, Um, this is, again, I think it's probably the best chess AI out there. And that's really what's key for a mobile version of chess in this case. Uh, so that's the one again, chess by, uh, AI factory limited. I don't think you can go wrong with this one. Again, there's plenty of them, but that, that one really takes the cake. Let's move on from that. Uh, let's go to number, number four. Well, no, wait, this would be number five. Um, number five would be the latest and, I'm kind of surprised there hasn't been another one. It feels like this one's been out for a few years. Uh, the latest jet skiing opus from vector unit, that being Riptide GP renegade. Now renegade as compared to the two previous games in the Riptide GP series one and two, that's all they were called, um, has a bit more of a story mode to it and kind of plays like classic need for speed but need for speed where you're not the cops you're running from the cops, you know, and you're against the cops and Hey, great. Uh, I, I used to love the need for speed series. And then when you started, like they started making you an undercover cop or, you know, basically when you started working for the law, it lost its luster. It lost the, the, you know, the rebellious edge that made it so fun. Um, you know, to, to play the need for speed games, but I digress, uh, what these jet ski games, which there are jet skis in the future, uh, what they remind you of would be say like Midway's Hydro Thunder or Arctic Thunder. It has that arcade style gameplay. Um, it has a very unique way that you, you know, do touchscreen controls where like you flip, uh, you swipe in certain directions that allows you to do varying tricks, uh, and you know, doing tricks on it gives you, you know, turbo boost, and then you can finish the lap faster and everything. The story is kind of cool, you know, kind of like wrongly convicted racer, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, now making his way through the underground. I mean, it's basic stuff, but it's fun. It works. Uh, but the, the real, what really shines here, I mean, single player is great. And there's a ton of unlockables as far as different jet skis to get different characters and so on. But the multiplayer here, just like, I mean, this is the real successor that exists today for Hydro Thunder, uh, which is one of the greatest arcade. And, you know, if you had the Dreamcast, it was there too. Uh, One of the greatest arcade and console, you know, multiplayer experiences just ever. So much fun, just pure intensity and water, you know, like driving something on water makes for a unique control experience right. And unique gameplay experience. And you get that here It's just riding the waves, tons of fun. And also, you know, it's kind of a, su- a successor to wave race, which Nintendo has for whatever reason, not picked back up on. And I've talked about that many times when we've been doing sovereign top eights throughout 2020 with past Nintendo consoles, wave race is one of the best games on any console it shows up on Uh Riptide GP or in this case. Yeah. Riptide GP Renegade uh, really fits that niche fairly well. Um, and it is available on switch. It plays beautifully on switch. Uh, it's available on steam. It's available on basically every console you can imagine. Um, and interestingly, the hardware controls don't add too much in comparison to the touchscreen controls, like the touchscreen controls without the gyros anyway, uh, really do do a fine job. It's amazing how, how well they work. Um, yeah, steering's a little tighter when you have an actual controller, but it's not that big of an advantage. Um, the real advantage comes with, you know, doing on-screen multiplayer, right. When it comes to playing it on a, uh, you know, be it on a PC or on a console. So, but Riptide GP Renegade definitely one of the top experiences. Another one where it keeps getting updates, not necessarily to the gameplay so much, but it does keep getting passion and whatever. Uh, you know, and, and it is still div, you know, worked on, even though it's been already been out for, for some years, uh, the previous games in the series, there's nothing special in them that isn't in GP renegade. So there's no reason to buy past versions. Like there's not some interesting story or anything like that. I wouldn't mind if there were, but there's not Uh riptide GP renegades, what you need. And the longevity of it really comes down to the multiplayer, which is just tons and tons of fun. So Moving on, uh, let's go to our next game. And that is one that I reviewed on sovereign tech when it initially came out. And that is missile command redux or redo or however you want to pronounce that. Um, this is a game. I think it's at its best on the Nintendo switch because you have the option of using the controller or using the touchscreen and kind of that hybrid control scheme allows you to react with different levels of speed, which, uh, makes things interesting. But on mobile, it plays beautifully, you know, it's missile command with just a lot, a lot of extra flashiness and, and it works as far as that goes. Um, it is not something, I mean, you can eventually, if you are the kind that's ever gotten tired of playing missile command, you know, classic missile command on the Atari or, or, you know, in, in arcades, um, then yes, you will get tired of this game and it does not have infinite replay value. But, and, and I wish there was some kind of competitive aspect to it. Uh, Maybe that'll come down the line, but it is a game that you can buy. You buy it for two bucks flat out. uh, And I think it's well worth $2. And if you're not the kind that gets tired of missile command, this is a game you can play forever. Um, And, and having the nice, you know, kind of psychedelic retro styling, you know, like eighties neon retro styling. I I really dig that a lot. Uh, And I I think it worked. So missile command redux, uh, an absolute classic game. I mean, you know, it's interesting. Let, let let's, let's bring this point up that at least three of these games are basically mobile versions of games that have been around for decades. Right. Uh, that have just kind of been updated to where they seem to work well on mobile and they do. Um, not that doesn't always happen, but you know, there's a lot that have been ported that, that actually do work very well with a touchscreen. Um, but it's important to keep that, you know, to keep that in mind is that, okay, well what works on mobile is mobile really an entirely new gaming platform that offers all kinds of new possibilities, or is it just something that makes classic games more convenient? I would argue the best, you know, that mobile at its best is really doing more of that more of where it's classic games being far more convenient, you know, or, or getting a little bit of a retouching and updating uh, you know, convenient if it's letting you skip turns and risk or, you know, just, just having um, a really nicer control scheme for missile command or whatever, you know, that that's where it's at. And this probably has a lot to do with why the switch is so popular as well, but there you have it. So let's move on to the next game. In fact, speaking of the switch, this is interesting because this was a game made by Nintendo that Nintendo barely promoted that I thought was brilliant and yet was made first and foremost for a uh, mobile. It was made for iOS and Android. It is a new property, uh, new IP and actually developed by uh, uh, hell laboratories who of course are best known for the Kirby games and for inventing Kirby. It's called part-time UFO and it looks like it has a, a style and a look much like Kirby. It's not Kirby. But it has a look, you know, in in that vein, and you are basically a UFO, like a little cute UFO, and you're going around lifting things up, cleaning things up, a bit of a puzzler. For touchscreen, it worked very well. Um, just recently, Nintendo did a mini direct, like a surprise mini direct, where they announced games and all this other stuff, and they announced that Part Time UFO was being made available for Switch. Makes all the sense in the world for it to be there. Uh, They're selling it for like nine bucks. I think on mobile it was four bucks. They have a couple of exclusive modes available for the switch. Um, But I thought this was a very cute genius little game uh, that worked very well with touchscreen controls. And I mean, hell laboratories I think are masters of, you know, shall I say addictive, but simplistic gameplay very much, you know, Kirby's MO and part-time UFO delivered on that. Uh, If you haven't played it before and you have a switch, getting the switch version is probably the best cause you're going to get the most game. But if you don't have a switch, uh, you know, grabbing it for, for Android, I think is, is totally, totally solid. The two game modes I saw weren't adding that much to the flavor. Um, uh, but this is a game that's a lot of fun. Uh, and, and you got to see it to really grasp just how fun it is, which I think is true for a lot of mobile games. So part-time UFO, uh, again, now Nintendo's treating it like, Oh yeah, this is a Nintendo property and they're probably developing some kind of sequel for it. That's why they released it for the switch. Um, But I was surprised that out of nowhere, they're like, oh yeah, yep. Here we go. You know, this is a Nintendo game and we're releasing it for switch. Um, It's well worth it though. I mean, I I thought it was a brilliant game when it came out years ago. And I want to say this came out like maybe six years ago. I've, I have, I've had this game forever. Um, So good, good for Nintendo anyway. All right, let's move on to the next game. Uh, The next game is, and actually I, I guess this will be our last on the list. Um, this game is kind of hard to describe, but let me put it to you this way. If you are, and I, you're not expecting this, but we're going to do it. If you are a fan of the heavy metal band dream theater, you've got to play this game. Uh, the game is called the astonishing and it is a video game component to the double, uh, double disc concept album that dream theater came out with, uh, what was that three years ago now called the astonishing, which there's also a novelization um, of that, which is really, really cool. Uh, it is a game version of that. It's kind of a turn-based strategy game. It's, it's really actually very hard to explain, but when you check it out and if you're into dream theater and if you, especially if you enjoyed the storyline, uh, of, and I love the storyline in the astonishing where, you know, it's all about what is the Omex or whatever, where they're, you know, everything's being produced. Like all, all entertainment is being produced by AI and it's kind of lost that human element. Um, you know, smacks is something that sticks would have done 30, 40 years ago, but it's, it's that rock and roll rebel kind of story ultimately, even though I think there's some deeper stuff within it as well. Um, to have a dream theater video game, is mind boggling to me. Not unheard of. I mean, let's be clear here in the nineties, you had some wild shit getting done by metal bands. I mean, there was a Queens right game, right. That came out with uh, with promised land. There was a, uh, you know, there's an iron maiden game. I mean, it's not unheard of for metal bands to come out with their own video games, but you know, today it, it I mean, this, this came out a couple of years ago, uh, you know, in the 21st century, it might not be so common. Um, and for dream theater to do it, I I think it's brilliant. I mean, you gotta, you gotta cough up the four or five bucks for it, you know, initially, but again, if you are a fan of dream theater, it's here and it's such a unique experience. Uh, and obviously the soundtrack is tremendous, um, that it, it really deserves in my opinion, to be in the top eight, particularly also because there are a lot of celebrity attached mobile games. I mean, and and I don't, I mean any disrespect to this gal. I mean, but you, you know, you have games that like are attached to Shannon Tweed, right? And I, and I think she's fantastic. I'm not knocking her. I'm just saying, you know, really how involved is Shannon Tweed or you have these, you know, stupid Kim Kardashian games or whatever else. I mean, where they're just mind numbing dream theater made sure that this was a game that mattered, had a purpose, had a reason, and that they were deeply involved in. And you can tell, and you don't always get that. And so this is a, a, in my opinion, I mean, if I were to compare it to like what Queensryche was doing with the promised land or what iron maiden was doing and so on, uh, it blows any of those games out of the water. Uh, so if you have that like weird itch for bands or, or you know, for uh, games made by heavy metal bands, or at least, you know, in conjunction with them, uh, this is probably the best one to date. And I think that deserves, you know, mention in and of itself. So there you have it. Um, we'll go down this this top eight. Number one is and again. After that, it, it doesn't really matter. Number one is risk. But going down the list, Plague Inc., Rebel Inc., Riptide GP, Renegade, Chess by AI Factory Limited, uh, Missile Command Redux, Part Time UFO, and of course, Dream Theaters, The Astonishing. Uh, and you know, I'm not going to say that if you play The Astonishing, that it'll make you a Dream Theater fan. But it might make you think about it. (laughs) And everybody should be a dream theater fan, for fuck's sake. So I mean, really. Uh it made me fall in love with Ellen. Well, that was part of it she loves them so much. Uh, they're, they're fantastic. Anyway. Uh, so there is your sovereign top eight Android games of all time as of 2020. I don't know that we're ever going to do like a major, uh, update on all platforms like we have throughout 2020, but because a lot of people seem to have, I'm not one of them, but because of a lot of people seem to have uh, a lot of spare time this year, uh, I thought it would be fun to get these out there. And I really appreciate your listener requests for what, uh, platforms, what, you know, what consoles and so on that you want to hear the top eight for, um, I'm always open to those. So if you have one, you feel free to email me questions at sovereigntech.com. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see if it's something that makes sense. If it's the Odyssey two, I don't know, but if it's something that makes sense, uh, I mean, I, and I've played a lot of games in my life. Uh, I am more than happy to uh, round up a top eight, but you got a lot of fun to have here. Fun that you can have on the go with a device that seems to be with you at all times. So why not let it put a smile on your face. These eight games are going to do it. Even if some of them seem tragic. No, they'll, amazingly they'll put a smile on your face when you're done. So we'll wrap this one up and I will see all of you woo, on the other side. Game over.